Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Path 11 podcast today. I have a couple of announcements before we actually get into the show. I wanted to remind you of the Afterlife Conference that is coming up June 24th through the 27th, and my guest today is actually a presenter at the conference this year. Now, this is really going to be the last of the Afterlife Conference, um, in a sense. The founder, Terry Daniel, next year is going to be switching the focus a little bit, and it's going to be called uh, Death, Grief, and and belief. So the content will be a little bit different. So this is really the last time in the 11th year of the Afterlife Conference that you're going to see these types of presenters who are presenting this year. So I really highly recommend that you head on over to afterlifeconference.com. You purchase a ticket and you can use PATH40 for $40 off your general admission ticket. That is our gift to you. Now, my guest today is Kitty Edwards, and she is the executive director of the Living and Dying Consciously Project. She is an Anye, is that how you pronounce it? Aini. Aini. Aini, energy mm-hmm. practitioner who has worked to support those confronted by death for over 30 years. She's a master teacher and author of Conscious Transitions, Living with Dying, and many articles on preparing for death as a rite of passage. She co-authored and hosted the Conscious Caregiving series, and she's a certified heart math, resilient advantage trainer, and co-founder of the No Regrets Project and Conversations on Death in Boulder, Colorado. Kitty is also offering a gift to all of you listeners, and we are going to put this information in the show notes, but she is giving everyone who is listening to this podcast today, it's called The Conscious Caregiving. It's a free 18 part online series designed to assist those caring for a loved one moving toward the threshold of death. And all these different modules cover different topics such as self-care, grief, family dynamics, dementia, uh, spousal caregiving, and more. And she can talk more about that towards the end of our podcast. So Kitty Edwards, welcome to the Path Loving Podcast. Thank you, April. It's lovely to be here this morning. So nice to meet you. So this is the first time I've met. I have met you. Um, I have worked at the Afterlife Conference for three years now, and this uh, is this your first year, or did you present years before? Before I was even involved, <laughs> I, I presented years before. I suspect, and other uh, members of our organization have presented um, pretty much regularly every year at the conference. So sorry, I haven't met you before, but it's nice. Um, to meet you now. Yes, absolutely. So give us a little more of your background and your history and how how did you come to want to work with the topic of death? Oh, my goodness. Um, Well, I think I've been working with death since I was very young. Um, Death uh, just came to sit with me, I think, um, as a practice. Um, When I was six years old, my neighbor across the street was teaching me to knit. And I would go over to her house and sit in her lap and she would put her arms around me and we would knit together. And as uh, I continued with my lessons, she was moved 
to a bed where I'd climb up on the bed and sit in her lap and she would put her arms around me and we would knit together. And then she passed away, which for me was obviously a new concept. Um, But my mother was really great. Uh, She let me uh, participate in the funeral and um, uh, just be a part of that family, that experience early on. And after that, it just seems like uh, I've sat with friends uh, throughout my childhood and into my adulthood uh, as their loved ones are dying. I've sat with my loved ones as they are dying. So it's been sort of a natural progression. But I didn't really start doing this uh as a profession until about 1998. Um, So uh, uh, before that, I was a teacher and a writer, and um, I decided that maybe I should switch my focus to a place where my heart was, my passion was, and obviously my calling was. And how did you know, or how were you able to recognize that shift from going from teacher and writer, which clearly still all those skills moved into the work that you're doing now, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I uh, it actually started... Um, as I was sitting with various people who were dying, uh, especially my loved ones, I began seeing things that uh, other people did not see. Uh, so, for instance, as my father was dying, he was uh, beginning to see, imagine his mother and his grandfather were coming to visit him. And he would get very upset with me when I'd wake him up from a dream uh, where he was having an interaction with his ancestors. Um, But then as his dying progressed, I began seeing the things he was seeing, which was very odd. And I'm an academic historian, so this was not something I was used to. Um, So after he died, I had to decide to either check into a psych ward or go to shaman school. So I chose shaman school to find out what it is, what is this invisible world? Uh, What do we experience at threshold of death? And uh, that was very helpful to me. And you mentioned at the beginning in my bio, uh, I need energy uh, medicine or uh, activities, processes. I need means bringing things into right relationship. And my training on three continents uh, with different medicine healing uh, people, men and women, they've taught me energy techniques and rituals to bring things into right relationship, especially as we're approaching a threshold um, in life or the threshold of death. Mm. Now, that experience that you were just talking about, about seeing what he was seeing as he was transitioning, I've heard of that as like a shared deathbed vision um, or or something similar to that. Like, I know that people have had shared near-death experiences, but this sounds more like a shared vision on the deathbed. Correct, correct. Uh, And and there are all kinds of experiences one can have at that threshold. So you can uh, have a near-death experience and go with your loved one across the threshold for a while to escort them. That would be one experience. Another one that's been uh, well-documented and lots of scientists are looking at this now is the experience of 
loved ones coming to visit uh, right before uh, you're crossing the threshold. Maybe these are guides. Maybe these are people that are bringing you comfort. There's some wonderful research in Switzerland right now by Monica Renz, uh, and she's looking at uh, the transition from this life to the next life. And what she finds, there's a period before the actual physical death where the person who is dying is not connected to this world. They're more connected to where they're moving towards. They're more interacting with something that possibly we can't see, we can't understand because we haven't stood at that threshold. Um, so it's wonderful to see that there are scientists uh, like Christopher Kerr, who's studying the dreams of the, of the dying. Um, it's, it's wonderful to see that begin to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. Another person that comes to mind that I interviewed on the podcast was Lisa Smart. And she has been investigating like the language of the dying and how they're communicating in ways that seems like gibberish, right? Or that they're not making sense, but there's actually like a code and there's something consistent with what she's finding with people who are, as you say, kind of at that threshold and getting ready to make that transition, that there's a lot of similarities. Like, I know I have to go home or I'm late for my dance or I have to go play golf or there's a meeting that I need to attend. Um, you know, I'm waiting for the train to come. So, you know, <laughs> the train, the train's an important one. It always seems that I got to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I got a trip. I got to pack my suitcase. So yeah, exactly. uh, her work is lovely. Her work is just lovely. And I think uh, the experience of sitting at the bedside when someone is dying is so precious because we who get to do it quite often, um, it opens up up to a different experience. And I think that just happened to me naturally in my life. And then as I matured and um, sat with my loved ones who were crossing, uh, I went even deeper. And so that, back to your question, that's what really brought my work to sitting with the dying uh, and brought my heart in the direction that I was being directed to go. Yeah. Now I know some of the work that you're doing too, is really trying to help people who are going through the death process to give them a language, the rite of passage for it and helping them to maybe engage in the process of death in an easier way. Because as you said, it could feel very lonely and some people don't even have a roadmap, right. To, to even know how, how do I die? <laughs> how do I die graciously? What am I supposed to do when I'm dying? So can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, and I think that's what we've discovered is that language is so important. Uh, we don't have language around this because we don't want to speak about it. And, and so we don't have the practice. Um, so if you're a caregiver and you're caring for someone who's dying, it's very important to know that they, there are different needs uh, that they might have. They have emotional needs. We all have emotional needs as we approach the threshold of death. We need to look at, do we have regrets? Are there activities that or emotions that we need to share with people? Do we need to say goodbye? Do we need to forgive someone? Do we need to ask for, for forgiveness? So those would be emotional um, activities that you could help someone do before they cross the threshold. But then there are also mythical 
activities or rituals you can engage in. And these are life review. And it's just wonderful to sit with someone and listen to their stories and help them find meaning in those stories. And sometimes they need to shift the meaning of the story so that they can feel more comfortable to let go and to die. Um, And there's a lot of research on the power of life reviews. It makes, it brings peace to people. It helps them um, adjust to the situation. Again, it's entering into that language with someone um, and being a really good listener for their language. And another category that we like to work in is energetic rituals. And these could be as simple as rituals to let go, practicing a ritual of letting go, meditation or yoga um, or uh, activities that a breath work that allows you to exhale and let go. So there are many, many traditions that practice this kind of energetic letting go. Our classes, we also teach how people how to help people clear their energy field. And this lightens them up before they cross the threshold. Um, so it's there are a lot of different energy techniques uh, that you can do. Mostly they are rituals um, that people can step into to help their loved ones let go. Okay, I want to ask more questions about those rituals too, but let me back up to the life review. Mm-hmm. So if if I'm a caregiver and I have a loved one that's actively dying and clearly they're still of sound mind to be able to give a life review, right? How does one even uh, prompt those questions? Like, hey, dad, let's do a life review right now. Um, <laughs> is it more like of the caregiver trying to reminisce with the person and uh, coach them in a way or engage them and, oh, remember when, blah, blah, blah? Or do you actually want to sit with them and tell them what a life review is and have them begin to go through it? So how does how does a person like elicit that conversation or bring that conversation? Well, of course, it depends on where the person is uh, as they progress towards death. If it's early on, it's a year or two out and they are a good mind, um, you can talk about a life review and uh, let them help Help you shape it. Um, I know my father spent, he had Parkinson's, so he spent the last five years of his life uh, telling stories and having us type them up and it got very, you know, long. <laughs> but um, there's a wonderful program called Dignity Care in Canada and they offer 11 questions, um, and they've done a lot of research around these questions that can help guide you. And the questions are things like, and my favorite one is, when did you feel most alive? Hmm. So these aren't sequential uh, chapters. It's not like you're saying, okay, what happened in your early childhood or, you know, when you were a teenager or when you were a young married person or uh, what, what was your first job and things like that. It's not sequential. Uh, it's something where you want to bring that life energy into the questions. When did you feel most alive? Um, who would you most like to see right now? 
and what was your relationship? What was your connection? Why was it important? So to really state broad, general questions and let the person who's telling the story go in their own direction. But you also can do life review with people who have dementia, and you can do this with tactile objects, stuffed animals, uh, handkerchiefs with a certain perfume smell. Um, music is a wonderful way to allow people to step into a life review. If you play music from their life, they from from an important period of their life if you know some of their favorite songs you will see that they will wake up they will be able to sing the song or hum the tune and you don't have to worry that you're hearing the story but you can tell that they're reliving an experience through the music the art the smells the touch um, so it's a really um, interesting phenomenon to work yeah. on with someone. No, that's great. I think those are some great takeaways for anyone that is listening that is, you know, has someone in their life that is suffering from dementia or I, I don't know a whole lot about that area. Um, so it's it's interesting. I have a couple of clients that have some grandmothers that are going through that right now. So I might take those suggestions to oh, say, yes. <laughs> get that handkerchief, put some perfume on it, get the teddy bear, play the music. So that's that's well, great. you know, there, there are a lot of uh, YouTube videos on uh, working with music and dementia and how powerful music is. I would highly recommend that for your clients. Great. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm also really interested in the energetic healing or the energetic ritual that you were talking about. Can you go just a little more in depth with what does it mean to clear the person's energy field before they pass and how does that help them transition? Right. Uh, well, uh, one thing is uh, because of my training uh, with medicine men and women, I've learned that uh, we are surrounded uh, by an energy field around us. It's not just our physical bodies. We actually uh, emote energy and we take in energy. So there's a give and take with the world. In fact, we have lots of information that comes through this energy inward and then we give out information and so we're constantly engaged with the world with our energy so what i've learned uh, in my studies are different techniques where you can help someone clear their field of things that might be stuck like traumas or um, bad experiences or job loss or shock, sudden shock. Um, and they can be as simple, these energy techniques as uh, helping the person uh, pull energy down from the sun which is a healing energy. And you can, uh, uh, we do a, a ritual where we become sunflowers. And so all of us reach out and we, we turn towards the sun, which in my case would be this direction this morning. And we bring the energy of the sun with our imagination, you know, with our, with our imagination and our intention. We call in that energy of the sun all the way down to our heart. And then 
as sunflowers, we need our roots and we need that earth. Then we, we put our feet on the ground and we imagine that we're putting roots down into the earth. And so then we pull energy up from the earth, which is also healing, and we pull it all the way up to our hearts. So the sun and the earth clear our energies they bring in this healing energy and then that energy that doesn't serve us anymore simply drops away mm-hmm. so that's a very simple technique um energy techniques can get more complicated but they don't need to they're mm-hmm. simple ones another one is simply tapping one's heart through tapping You bring your attention to your heart center, not your brain center. And so you just keep tapping softly and breathing more slowly as if you're breathing from your heart. And this is a calming Mm -hmm. practice that brings us to ourselves inwardly rather than focusing our energy outwardly so simple techniques like that yeah have you ever experienced or worked with anyone that was afraid to die and (laughs) that maybe they were hanging on you know and just not letting go I've I've heard of stories of that I've known you know people where uh, you know I am in a couple of different healing groups and we have you know people writing in and you know please help she's hanging on she won't let go so what has your experience been with people who are afraid to die and people who just won't they're fighting the transition any thoughts or suggestions well I would say 98 percent of the people in our culture uh, are afraid to die because it's the unknown. We don't know what dying is. We don't know what, what the results of that are. We don't know what it's going to look like if we cross that threshold. Plus, we don't want to leave our loved ones. There might be a loved one you feel that needs your assistance I don't want to go, especially if you have young children. So if 98% of the people are afraid of dying, then this is a very important question. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing is, um, if you're a person who's going to stay behind in the village of the living and your loved one is going to die, but they're holding on, the best thing you can do is to tell them you love them and that you're going to be okay. Like, I'm going to be okay, Mom. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you've given me. I'm going to be okay. But even with that guarantee that I'm going to be okay, that sharing, uh, a person still may be holding on. And sometimes uh, at that threshold, the work the person is doing at that threshold, they're doing for themselves. It might be emotional work of, of that uh, bringing peace to a, an emotion where you're hanging on, like you have a regret and you're working on that regret before you cross the threshold. So it's not just that they're hanging on, they could be doing their own work. And if they're doing that, you can protect that space by keeping it quiet, 
um, keeping it almost wholly sacred, um, protecting them in that space as they do their work with love and intention of holding them. But of course, we do hear uh, a lot from hospice workers that they can't understand why people aren't dying. They should have died days ago and they haven't died. Um, Oftentimes it is because they're waiting for a loved one um, to say something or release them. Uh, Sometimes they're waiting for a loved one to actually grieve for them, to wail I don't want you to go. I, I'm, I'm going to miss you so much. So they can feel that energy of the grief and the love. Wow. Okay. I've never so, heard that before. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're different cultural sure. approaches. It's not always appropriate in some cultures to say, yeah, it's okay for you to die. It's more appropriate to say, no, 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 no. I won't let you go. And the power of that grief is what supports the person across the threshold. Wow, that's beautiful. So, now, yeah, different things for different people. Can you talk a little bit more about the importance of rituals? Because I know um, before we actually hit record, we were talking about them um, shortly. And you said a lot of people don't even realize they're in ritual or doing rituals or how important the rituals are. And I think after we all have gone through this pandemic, we realized how many rituals are very important to us that <laughs> we weren't able to celebrate or have in our life. So of, of the unspoken rituals that we might have taken for granted that, you know, in our culture, we may not look at a birthday as a ritual, but, you know, it really is. And uh, so can you talk about the importance of rituals and what it does for us when we're in ritual, why it's important? Yeah, rituals are um, uh, an activity. You know, there's something we do that brings us peace or joy or connection. Connection is really important. Um, And it might be as simple as taking a morning walk is a ritual for you. But if you're walking the dog and you're talking on the telephone and you're not paying paying any attention to your morning walk, it's not a ritual. It's simply walking the dog or walking yourself. Rituals that are healing require intention, attention, and oftentimes repetition. Uh, but they don't have to be repeated. Um, so uh, in the morning, oftentimes I'll have a cup of tea. And while I'm having my cup of tea, I will think about the day of what energy do I need to get through this day? What mm, intention do I need? And that might be courage. I need courage or I need uh, compassion or I need hope. Um, depending on what's on my calendar and who I'll be working with during the day. And so I will take a moment with my warm cup of tea and I will call in that intention. I'll call in that hope. Um, yeah, my intention for the day is to have hope. And then I check in throughout the day since I know that hope is my intention for the day. I might write it on a sticky note. I might put it in on my phone uh, or take a photograph of the word hope and look at it every now and then through the day so that, again, my heart 
is the center of my day rather than the busy chatter that goes on up here as I'm getting from one place to another. So rituals, the sunflower ritual clears your field and brings in healing energy. Uh, singing a song. This is one of my favorite ones, choosing a song for the day. So uh, maybe you're sad and you're grieving and you choose a really sad song and that's fine. So throughout your day, you sort of hum the song to yourself. You take a moment and sing it on the side, but it sets the tone of your day. If you need a little extra energy, you might sing um, uh, a song that brings you joy. You know, it wakes you up, a child song. So, um, uh, so rituals can be very simple. But again, they do require, if they're going to be as powerful as you want them to be, they, they require intention, attention, and repetition. Lovely. Love that. Now, what are you presenting at the Afterlife Conference this year? Do you have, um, what's your, your topic? Uh, my topic is uh, death, a rite of passage. Uh, the power of rituals for living with loss. And this will be in a workshop after the main conference. Uh, so my team is coming in. Uh, there'll be three teachers, uh, one doctor, one therapist, and myself teaching the class uh, different rituals at the emotional level, at the mythic level, life review, just those questions you were asking about, how do you do a life review? And at the energetic, we'll be teaching some specific energetic rituals to help people let go, release, uh, clear uh, before they die. But most importantly, and I think uh, because of our experience in 2020 and 2021, with being so isolated, we're going to focus the rituals we teach on living with loss, because so many of us have had losses in the past year and a half, uh, physical losses, as well as job losses, uh, loss of connection, um, loss of those rituals you said that we're used to doing. And we're now stepping back in, uh, opening our wings and seeing how we can fly anew. And so it's a really important time to create those rituals to honor what we've lost and step in with hope into the future. Yeah. And um, I'm glad that you mentioned that yours is a workshop. So I could also explain to our listeners and our viewers the difference. So there's a general admission ticket, which gives you the full conference of presenters, but then there's pre and post workshop conferences. Um, so, and that's one of them that you're doing. I remember last year, they were about three hours long in length. How long is yours uh, this year? This year, they're going to be uh, 2.5 hours, two and a half hours and a half, each. Okay. Uh -huh. And yeah. for us, it's a, our regular classes are usually six-week long classes um, that we've been doing online, of course, with the COVID experience. Um, and this is a great opportunity for people to drop in just for two and a half hours um, and learn some really good techniques uh, for living with loss or for helping folks as they approach the threshold of death. 
Right. So the other option is that you don't have to purchase the general admission ticket for the conference. You can just purchase the pre and post workshops that are also available. And you guys will see that on the ticket page. And that's at afterlifeconference.com. So just look for Kitty Edwards name. You'll find her conference, her uh, workshop there on the conference agenda and also in the list of tickets. You can also put the promo code PATH40 to get $40 off the general admission ticket. So that code doesn't give you any money off of these workshops, just a general admission ticket. So, um, and, and then before we leave our listeners, can you just explain a little bit more about the gift that you're giving them? It's the 18 online series. So they, uh, you know, know exactly what it is that they're signing up for and getting for free. Okay. The uh, Conscious Caregiving series, uh, we launched in March of 2020. Auspicious, don't you think? Uh, um, And it focuses on different areas of caregiving, as you mentioned before, grief, uh, dementia, caring for a parent, caring for a spouse. Um, And in each of the chapters, uh, and this is all online, uh, there's a story about a caregiver, a personal story of a caregiver I interviewed or know of their story. And then there is a video of a ritual that uh, is, is helpful under this category of that chapter. And then their resources. Uh, we went and sca- scanned uh, online resources, print resources for you to follow up with if you want more information. So that's sort of the literal uh, there. So we have the mythic of the story. We have the ritual, which is energetic. And then we have the literal um, that you can follow up on. Oh, great. And, yeah, and it comes out every week. So if you sign up for it, uh, it'll be sent to you uh, once a week for 18 weeks. So it's like getting a little love letter and on your into your inbox. Wonderful. Thank you so much for giving our listeners that gift. And can you also let people know your website and where they can find you? Uh, our website is www livinganddyingconsciously.org. Um, on our website, it lists our workshops. Uh, in the fall, we'll be introducing a new work, uh, workshop on grief, uh, living with loss. It's called Walking the Labyrinth of Grief. Um, and our signature workshop is Conscious Transitions, Living with Dying, which is, again, it goes into these different categories of literal emotional, mythical, and energetic rituals to process our life and our death. Wow, such good stuff. Such a great resource. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today and uh, highly recommend everyone to purchase your ticket for the Afterlife Conference. Uh, Some amazing presenters like Kitty. There are the pre and post workshops uh, and the conference itself. Be sure to use the coupon code PATH40 to get $40 off the general admission ticket. And again, the website is afterlifeconference.com. Thank you everyone for listening today and I will talk to you guys soon.
Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's podcast. And I'd like to give you a couple of coupon codes before you go. I would first love for you to go to path11tv.com and I'd like you to sign up for your free seven day trial. If you like what we have on there, which I know you will, I would like you to go ahead on checkout and put in the code podcast 30. That's going to give you 30% off of the annual subscription. And uh, the Afterlife Awareness Conference is also giving Path 11 podcast listeners $40 off the general admission ticket for the virtual conference this year. You can go to afterlifeconference.com. You can purchase your general admission ticket through Eventbrite and put the code. There's a place in the top left corner. You go ahead and click that coupon code and put in PATH40. Again, that's PATH40, and that's going to give you $40 off of the general admission ticket. So with the Afterlife Awareness Conference, they are also giving you six months of free replays. So if you cannot make the conference on June 24th through the 27th, that's not a problem. We will give you six months to rewatch that conference at your leisure. So again, two coupon codes, path11tv.com. Get 30% off by using podcast 30 and afterlifeawarenessconference.com. Go ahead and use path 40 to get $40 off your general admission ticket. Thanks everyone. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.